I'm here to discuss the so-called flying saucer. The film and the creature are authentic. The first pictures ever taken of a Sasquatch. But they got nearly up to the UFO, but it was close enough the campers have told authorities they've seen what resembles a Bigfoot and they swear it isn't a hoax. And uh, he asked me, he said, but why are you fighting? He said, don't be fighting, we wish you no harm. Hello everyone, welcome back to The Strange Dispatch. Here we are, we're back again. I am your host, Andrew Jewell, joined, as always, by Ian Schneider. And The Strange Dispatch is a podcast that takes a look at the strange and unusual around us. Um, this is a podcast, a project that started in tandem with a Fortean high strangeness themed uh, magazine that I self-published called Strange Days. And um, yeah, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Ian, how are you, man? Welcome back. I'm great. Uh, thanks for having me back, as always. happy. Sunday, happy uh, Beltane Eve. Beltane Eve, yeah. And, and my goal is, we're recording this on Beltane Eve, and my goal is to spend the rest of the evening once we're done editing this, so this will drop on Beltane on May 1st. So Beautiful. Happy Beltane May Day to, uh, to all that celebrate. It's an exciting, exciting time of year. Things are, are blooming and looking up. It's, it's great. It's really rainy in New York City here today, but that seems appropriate, I guess. Very. I Coming over here, I was like, I... I wish we could plan that every day we recorded was a gloomy, rainy day. It's just yeah, it's kind of perfect. such a perfect vibe for uh, for getting into this weird stuff. Yeah, totally. We have a really fun topic today. It's going to cover sort of an array of things that fall under one umbrella category. Very, very fun. And yeah, I can't. I'm excited to get into it. I'm trying to think of anything else new that I can talk about before we delve into this one. The pre-order for the latest or the newest issue of Strange Days is also going up. So that's going to be Strange Days Volume 12. And as usual, it's a great one. It's packed with a bunch of very, very fun, very weird stories, which is what we love. Uh, we got a, a ton of great submissions for this one. So keep your eyes out for that. And if you want to pre-order it, by the time you hear this or shortly after, the pre-order will be available. So take a look at that. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess, I don't know. Do you, should we, are we just jumping right in, get, getting right into it? I think we just jump right in. talking about what I'm calling sonic strangeness or strange dispatches, if you will. These are weird noises that have been heard and recorded and captured throughout the world that some of them can be explained, others can't be explained or haven't been explained as of yet. We are going to start with strange dispatches that come from the natural world, or at least we think that they do. So the first one is one that I came across years ago casually, never really did a deep dive into it, but was aware that it existed and it popped in my head when we decided that this was going to be the subject that we were covering. So you might be familiar with it. It's not, uh, it, it, it has been identified and we'll get to that, but it's called the bloop. 
So in 1997, researchers from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration began deploying hydrophones in the ocean. And this was part of a project that was listening for underwater volcanic activity, in this instance, specifically in the South Pacific. So a short time later, they captured a strange, powerful, and thunderous sound off the coast of Chile. Using the hydrophones, which are essentially just underwater microphones that were placed 2,000 miles apart across the Pacific, they recorded numerous instances of this noise. Now, I've seen some sources say that they only captured the bloop once, but that's not accurate. This information comes from this group of researchers themselves, and they did capture it on numerous occasions. Uh, Not only was it loud, it was the loudest unidentified underwater noise ever recorded. Uh, the sound had unique characteristics that became to know be, that came to be known as the bloop. So here is the bloop, and yeah, it's uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see what you think of this, Ian. It's a bloop. So they, why were the microphones there in the first place? What were they it was, a- attempting to capture? It was a brand new project and they were listening for underwater volcanic activity. So this was like pretty much really early into this project uh, in, in the late nineties that they started deploying these microphones. This was like one of the first like significant things that they recorded. So this is obviously not any type of volcanic activity that would, I'm not a scientist. I would assume that would sound more rumbly and yeah, I guess so. I, I I I would make the same assumption. But yeah, this wasn't this wasn't the sound that they were expecting to get. It wasn't um yeah it, w- it wasn't anything that lined up or corresponded with what they thought that they would be getting, or I assume with what previous attempts to do similar things, uh, you know, captured. So this sounds this doesn't sound like something that's coming from beneath the surface of the ocean sounds like something in the in the water it kind of sounds like an underwater echo or like a a sonic boom in the water yeah i mean it definitely has i guess naturally any sound especially something underwater is going to mimic like a vibration but doesn't it have that type of like bouncing kind of yeah it definitely to you yes 100 it has like sort of like a dissonance or so, not a dissonance really but like some sort of reverberation or something let, let, i'm gonna play it again okay i mean no matter how you chalk it up it is a very very strange sound to hear underwater It sounds so cool. You know what it reminds me of? It So, Seren and I went to this, uh, I think it's called the Rubin Center or something. It's kind of like a smaller gallery. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the city. And they have this, I think it's like a permanent installation, or maybe it's not permanent. But it's this row of, it's like eight or maybe twelve uh like gongs or crashes 
that are attached to this pulley system. And there's also 12 different mallets. And you can go and strike the mallet and pull a lever and dip the gong or the crash or whatever. You know, there's a couple, there's obviously there's eight to 12 different variations and you can dip it into the water and you can hear the sound change oh, and you wow. can also see the, uh, the surface of the water react to it. It's, it's extremely cool. I'll, I'll tell you more about this off when we're not recording. Cause it's definitely the whole exhibit or, uh, installation is really cool, but this specifically is awesome because you can interact with it and it does have a similar type of like, you know, it sounds like vibrating metal underwater. So I don't know. Is this a, a submarine crash? You know what it is. I do know what it is. Yes. It has been identified. So that would be my guess is some type of metal hitting another, like a, either a submarine crashing into like the ocean floor Something like that. Good I, guess. I think that's a good guess. That's a that's a better guess than I I probably would have had before I I really read what it is. That's because I have the experience with the gongs. Yeah, that so. is that is that does sound cool, and it does seem like that would produce a similar sound to what we're hearing here. But a few years later, so this was this was recorded in '97. Um, a few years later, as they continued their research, they had deployed more of these hydrophones up near near the north and south poles and they soon realized when they heard the sound the bloop happen again that it was actually the sound of an iceberg breaking off of a glacier in antarctica and just like resonating through the water so no metal but i mean huge mass of ice wow that's wild so was that that's the sound of it breaking or the sound of it hitting something after the piece is broken off uh, they say it says breaking in their research in the research that i did in in from the notes on the NOAA website, it said it, you know, the sound of an iceberg breaking off of a glacier. So I, I don't have specific details, but that's what, what it, they said. So That's cool. Very cool. It, but it does, I mean, it is a cool sound. It does so- sound like some like Lovecraftian, like Cthulhu shit or something. It's yeah, anything rad. underwater is automatically, if you use your imagination, is going to, you know, sound like some version of that. But that's specifically, just because it's so, it kind of, you know, it like ebbs in and then it kind of flows out. It doesn't have this like distinct beginning or end. So it just has this kind of disembodied. It it, it is a very natural sound. Yes. Actually, I guess, which is, it makes a lot of sense. That's cool. So I wonder if the, the action of the iceberg breaking was 16 seconds long as well. Or if what we're hearing is the aftermath of it, Right, I guess right. there's no way what really for us to know. Yeah, but. I would have to think it. To me, it's probably. Yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know. It, to me, it seems like yeah, probably the breaking, but or is it the settling of it on the? You know, I don't know. That's in, yeah, I don't, like I don't it really hitting know. the ocean floor. Right. Anyway, very cool. The bloop, very very interesting sound. And you know, you got to think like this. This was recorded in '97, so like, you know, there wasn't. A lot. It's not like you could just like go on YouTube and type like weird sounds that people have recorded. Like this was probably a pretty unnerving thing for these scientists to like capture at the, at the, at the point. And this was also like a very new research program. So that's the bloop. So the next sound that I have queued up, uh, it also comes from the the same group of, group of researchers, NOAA, uh, and it's called unsweep. And it's an unidentified sound has not been identified. Um, that they captured with some of these hydrophone arrays and so underwater, underwater. this is another underwater sound yep another underwater sound uh and this was 
present uh, from NOAA's website. They say it was the sound was present when their Pacific Marine Environmental Laboratory began recording its sound surveillance system in August of 91. So this actually predates the bloop. The bloop was 97. This is 91. And this sound is still unidentified. Again, it's called the unsweep. And before I play it, I'll read you how NOAA describes it. And they say that it consists of a long train of narrow band upsweeping sounds of several seconds in duration each. The source level is high enough to be recorded throughout the Pacific Ocean. So here is sound known as unsweep. That's really interesting. I'm going to play it again. This one's interesting because it seems like there are layers of what of different things happening. Wow, that that is a trip. There are several layers. There's obviously the the sound. It almost sounds like a siren or an alarm. Totally. But it's very um it it's not in time. It's a little kind of sporadic. So that 30 second clip was one was sped up 20 times. Oh. So uh here's the unsweep at one time speed and it's like a, a 9 minute clip. So well, I'm not well, let's listen to let's some of it. Yeah. I'm going to have to sample this. This is so sick, dude. Dude, this sounds like... It sounds like hell. why the sped up version of these sounds are what everyone's listening to this is way crazier well the bloop i mean that's silly yes the the one-time version is cool i like the, the i like the sped up version of this one but this is so i'm gonna play the sped up version one more time because what you said is exactly what i thought you said it sounds like an alarm and to me this first noise that you hear sounds like if you're like watching a movie about a submarine and the alarm goes off that they're about to start diving or whatever. Right. That's what it sounds like to me. But then there's another sound that comes in. That. And then I think there's even a third one that comes in toward the end. That. Right. So there's... I mean, your imagination can run wild. It's the sped up version, which is obviously not what's happening in real time, but the sped up version, it's like an underwater base and an alarm is going off and right. then there's like a mechanical arm 
moves, and then there's some, like, squeaking, aching of machinery. But then you have this. Let's listen to a little bit more of it this time, too. I want to get into the... So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna scrub ahead so we maybe can try to find those. Get a little of that siren. Yeah. I mean, it truly sounds like the depths of hell. Let's scrub ahead some more. That it's unbelievable. It's how so perfect and wild. creepy and evil it is. There's like this moan, and then that kind of. Like that I don't know that shaking sound or that industrial sound that's kind of buried. Dude, this is this is like the coolest sound I've ever heard. Whoa! So, what were they intending? What was the purpose of this recording? What were they going for? This is this, this was six or this six one, years earlier in 1991. Yeah, this one uh, says. Uh, uh, I don't have that note. It, it was part of, it was captured when they began recording, as I said, at their Pacific Marine Environmental Laboratory. So I don't know if it was specifically they were trying to capture volcanic activity as they were with the previous one. Um, I do have a couple more notes from Noah. They said that the level, the source level is high enough to be recorded throughout the Pacific Ocean, which is insane because it's biggest largest body of water on earth and it's, so basically if you dipped what are they called hydrophones? hydrophones they're saying if you dipped one of these at the same depth off the coast of washington and off the coast of russia or japan you would hear that same sound they're saying that's what that's what it says yes that i mean i assume it would have to be some level you know i, I assume that it, the 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 equipment that they're using the hydrophones that they're using you know is is pretty high quality equipment to capture these things so like i don't know if you dip your gopro into the water right but i mean if you're going to capture you're using it, but, that same hydrophone right that's, yes, that's the point exactly, you're making is yes. anywhere in the pacific that, ocean that's what they say and it says the sound appears to be seasonal generally reaching peaks in spring and autumn but it is unclear whether this is due to changes in the source or seasonal changes in the propagation environment so unclear if it's like that has yeah if it's from if it's due to something with the source being affected in those seasons or the water, basically the environment. Uh, the source can be roughly located at 50 degrees south, 140 degrees west, between New Zealand and South America. Uh, researchers of NOAA speculate the sound to be underwater volcanic activity, but they haven't confirmed that. And the up the upsweep, which is what they call this sound, uh, the upsweep's level of sound, the volume of it, has been declining since 1991 but it can still be detected on their hydrophone arrays. So that's an, inter- an interesting point, that it's it's getting weaker since they started recording it 30 years ago, basically. So meaning that it was probably, had they started recording it five years or seven years earlier, it would have been stronger. So they just happened to catch it at this certain point in its decline. Yeah, which is, which is interesting. But I guess it's not, you, you know, they said, in, within their notes about the bloop, the first sound that we played, they said that that was the loudest sound they'd ever, rec- loudest unidentified sound they'd ever recorded underwater. So I guess this isn't 
quite as loud as that one, but it's way cooler. Though. It's, it's way, way I mean, better. I'm going to play it just a, a couple more. I, I feel like you and I could just sit here and listen to this for an hour. <laughs> basically the the soundtrack to a bad trip when i was like 16 years old <laughs> yes. is what it feels like yeah it's i'm i'm feel like we could go to saint vitus in a month and see some noise band that sounds not half as good as that sounds yeah like, maybe we should just steal it yeah. <laughs> just start just start get some cover art and release set. it very cool so that's that's the upsweep so those that was the bloop and that was the upsweep uh, those were the the two underwater sounds that we had for you today. So we're gonna move on. I, uh, hold on, just real oh, quick. Yeah, yeah. So the the upsweep, no, has clue, been no notes. Uh, nope. They said that's so th- cool. Their best guess is that it is underwater volcanic activity, but they don't can't say that for sure. Which you and know, they've been studying it since. I, I guess so. Since since ninety one. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. So remember that remember that bit about it being underwater volcanic activity, because that's going to tie into, in a few minutes, the next thing that we're going to go on to. And the next thing is something that is also has a certain amount of popularity online, and it's the hum. And if you're not familiar with the hum, uh, it's a name that's given to widespread, widespread reports of a persistent and invasive low-frequency humming rumbling or droning noise audible to many people but not all people uh hums have been reported worldwide including the u.s the uk australia canada they're sometimes named according to like where where it is so a a pretty famous one is the taos hum which is in taos new mexico uh there's another one called the windsor hum in ontario windsor ontario canada uh and, and so this is just this is a sound that some people say that they can hear. Um, not all people. Here's a clip of the Taos hum as it was has been recorded in Taos, New Mexico, and it's it's yeah. It's we'll see what what you guys think. These hums, you know, they vary a bit from location to location. This is the New Mexico. This is the New Mexico one. And this is recorded by... Just by a civilian, I think. Wild. Yeah. So this is exactly what they're hearing. Yes. This isn't some specialty audio equipment nope. that picks it up. No, nope. this, it, is, this, this is, is something that a, I assume, somebody heard it and was like, what is that? And they right. just started recording it I on be, their recorder. I believe so. I assume they probably made some adjustments to the... To equalize clean it, it to clean, whatever, and maybe to, you know, to be able to hear it better. But yeah, so that's the Taos hum. So the hum is, you know, it, it's something that m- many people can hear, many people can't, all over the world. People started hearing the hum or something similar as early as like the 1950s in the UK. In the 70s, there was one in the uh, a situation in the UK that where a lot of people started reporting hearing it. It's said that around 4% or one number said 4%. Some, somewhere else I saw said somewhere between 2 and 5% of people can hear the hum. And some people have claimed that it's some sort of like mass hysteria or delusion. But those who hear it will almost certainly assure you that it is not that. For many people, this 
become is like life disrupting. It's like it, it, it leaves some people feeling like they're going crazy. I mean, you just imagine walking around hearing that you you're trying to sleep. You hear that you're, you know, in some places it's constant in some locations it comes and goes. Uh, but for some people, they walk around hearing that all the time, which is unnerving. That it does kind of clear because obviously there are certain people that and just certain beings on earth, for example, a dog can hear a, a much higher pitch right? or you can damage your hearing in such a way that you can no longer hear a specific frequency. So it does track that a small percent of people would only be able to experience or hear a very low end. That's what it is, right? It's like a yeah, very low, low end, end frequency. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good point. It, yeah. It's like a really, really low end frequency. And, and yeah, like I said, some, some people have just reported that it's like just absolutely upended their lives, drives them crazy. There's even allegedly like two, suicides that have been linked to people hearing that something like this something similar reports of the hum spiked during the pandemic which is an interesting thing in 2020 or at the beginning of the pandemic when everyone was quarantined or locked down and everything was quieter everything was quieter there's less air traffic there's less uh, uh, vehicle traffic less people coming and going so the handful that you have noted here these are all in urban areas have there been any reported in a not in like a rural area or like a mountainous that is a great question i don't know i don't have i don't have a note about that specifically i don't know it's taos it must be somewhat mountainous but it is a a decent sized city i think i've never heard of it until today is it close to uh albuquerque or it is that is a great question i i've never been to i mean there's all uh, types of weird stuff going on over there to begin with taos add this to the list is it is like northeast of Albuquerque, and you're looking at a map. Yeah. So what does it look like? Does it look uh, it barren looks, or it looks? I think it's pretty barren. Yeah. It actually there's like a big, some sort of big national park. It looks like that it borders. Yeah. I don't. It's not super urban. It's definitely not New York City or or Windsor, Ontario, which is like right across the river from Detroit. So well, yeah, I think it's pretty decently rural. What I would guess if I, you know, if somebody was like, just quick, what what is that? Give me one good answer. It seems like a, uh, like maybe like the audio fallout of like a, like a substation. Oh yeah, sure. Or some type of, you know, vibrating right. or release of tension at like somewhere where energy is gathered right yeah that's a good guess and a lot of people say a lot of people have said that it sounds to them like some sort of like diesel generator or something like that that would have to be huge i mean it would have to be enormous yeah to be able to to and i think everybody would if it was a generator that would be something that every person right it would be on the news you would think so yeah this is a this is a phenomenon that's been happening for 75 years at this point in some instances i think some specific local things have been identified uh as i was saying in 2020 when everybody was under lockdown people more people began to hear it reports of the hum sort of spiked and in tandem with that the windsor hum in windsor ontario which is right across the river from detroit windsor hum was first reported in 2011 and it sounded you know 
pretty much like all the other hums. And I'll play another couple seconds of the Taos hum here just to just to hear it. So they were hearing something similar in Windsor starting around 2011 is when reports started started coming in and couldn't figure it out. Then all of a sudden, 2020, uh, COVID-19 hits, people go into lockdown. And for the first time since they had, since people had started hearing the hum there, it stopped. And they pretty quickly realized that it was coming from a steel factory. And once work stopped at the steel factory, the hum stopped. So there's an instance where it's been solved, but in places like Taos or just people who hear it in general, sort of worldwide, like I think some people hear it nearly anywhere they go. It hasn't hasn't fully been identified and theories, you know, pop up on what the hum could be. There are people who are certain that it's caused by wind turbines. Other people say it could be volcanic activity, like we were saying with the upsweep. That's what those scientists think that the upsweep might be. In Taos, for example, the Earth's crust, I guess, is is especially thin there. It's thinner than it is a lot of other places. And so people have speculated that perhaps the hum heard there is like the sounds of magma underneath the crust of the earth moving around. And I don't know, you know, I'm not a a sonic expert, but that's not what I would expect that to sound like. But I don't really know, you know, well, if you think about it reverberating through layers and layers of, you know, the earth's crust, it does make sense that it's been diffused enough sure that it's not this like inconsistent rumble but of just a like a pulse yeah yeah that i can see sense. that i don't know it, it also just seems it just seems so industrial yeah to me well, that's it, it seems like some yeah. type of industrial anomaly that's not exactly supernatural but you know supernatural in the sense that we we don't have a concise explanation right for it I mean, it, it's kind of a magical sound. That's really cool. I would like to experience it. I know. I, I would as well. You know, it sounds, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it just really is like a very interesting reverberating sound. Other th- theories abound as well, especially in, in New Mexico. You know, there, New Mexico is a hot spot, has been for a long time for military activity, for testing military crafts, for testing military weapons. We don't have to tell you about, you know, Roswell and... White Sands, New Mexico, that's where they started testing nukes back in the day. All these things. So people in, in New Mexico especially sort of uh, are, are a little bit more attached to the theories that I like, the theories of government experiments, alien crafts, military radio waves, that sort of stuff. Add this to the list. Yeah, exactly. But in general, other proposed theories just as a, as a sort of general explanation, not specific to Taos, but just for all of it, are uh, lightning strikes, I guess, you know, lightning hits the earth something like 800 times a day. And people say that maybe that's causing, that that's having an effect that's doing something to create this hum. Jet streams are another theory. And uh, another popular one are is vibrations from oceanic waves that are crashing into continental shelves on the ocean floor. And then it's sort of reverberating through the earth, as you were saying, like the magma might do. So could be any of these things. Uh, but of course, I want to think that it's, you know, government experiments happening, and and maybe they're 
testing out some sort of alien craft, or unfortunately, it maybe they might be testing out some sort of sonic weapon, which is not as fun. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing. I've never heard it. I w- I'm curious to know if I would be in the four percent of people who would hear it if I was somewhere. How annoying if like three of your friends <laughs> could hear it and you couldn't. Right. Yeah. But again, how I mean, unchosen would you feel? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, this is the type of sound where I I would like to think that you would just go look out the window and then there would just be a right. UFO a hundred right. feet. If you are an experience experiencer of the hum, we would love to hear from you. Uh, hit us up, email us at strange zine at gmail.com. I don't know anyone personally who's heard the hum or not that I'm aware of. So if that's something that you, you have heard let us know. I would love to hear hear your story and what your experience is like. With yeah, that. Maybe, maybe there's people that have heard it and they just haven't thought much of it. Right. Yes, exactly. So uh, the last of these uh, sort of natural sounds that we're talking about is one that I had experience with just a couple months ago. So I live in Brooklyn. I live in Clinton Hill, Brooklyn, which neighbors uh, another neighborhood called Fort Greene. And I think it was back in January or February, my friend Jim Perry, who is the creator of the great podcast called Euphemet. He emailed me a news clip and was like, hey, this is your neighborhood. And it was about an unknown sound happening in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. I'm, I'm talking like three blocks away from where Ian and I are recording right now. And in the news clip, they had clips, cell phone, iPhone videos of people recording the sound, mostly at night. And as soon as I heard these clips, I was like, oh, shit, I have totally heard this sound walking around my neighborhood. I heard it. I assumed it was construction. The city's noisy. You can hear a, a police siren right now. It's it's Brooklyn, New York. It's noisy. I it s- is noisy. But let's just say this. In the neighborhood that Andrew lives in, in the part of the neighborhood that I live in, it could be a quieter for, you know, obviously a lot of our listeners are our friends. They live in the exact same place. A lot of our listeners Maybe they haven't been to New York before. So where Andrew and I live, I mean, there are trees. It's a neighborhood. It's not Times Square. It's not. You're not in the middle of Manhattan. So while obviously the siren is, you know, hilariously timed, but it is not the hustle and bustle of New York City with it's not that always. It, It can be very quiet. I've lived here for over a decade. It surprises me sometimes how peaceful and pleasant my neighborhood can be. Your neighborhood is very adjacent to mine, yeah. so just to, as as a disclaimer, right? It, it's so, it's not yeah. a constant. Yeah, it's not like din. no. It's not like I can't sleep at night because my neighborhood is so loud. But yeah, I heard this recording. And I was like, oh shit! I have totally heard this sound. Wrote it off. Uh, played it for my partner Allie. She said the same thing. She's like, oh, I've definitely heard that sound. I just assumed it was you know, it was something construction or whatever, and. In, the, in this news report, they talk about how it, people were mostly hearing it at night when construction crews would have stopped their work for the day. And, you know, there wasn't like... Or so they say. Or so they say. And there, I don't think there was like an NYPD investigation, so to speak, into this sound. But basically, the, you know, the people that, they, that, these, uh, that this news channel interviewed to talk about this said, you know, we don't know what it is. We can't identify it. I do think that there was like a local community group um here in fort green that kind of tried to look into it because it was a nuisance for people not because they thought it was something strange necessarily but just because people were being annoyed by it and they weren't able to identify it so cut to 
uh, this I think this this news source was sent to me maybe it was in December cut to like February of this year my partner and Allie and I are home we both had some time off of work we're just chilling at the apartment and all of a sudden I hear the sound from the kitchen from my kitchen where Ian and I are sitting right now I hear it and I'm like holy shit Allie like do you hear that and she's like yeah that's totally the sound so I go and grab my video camera and start recording and then we try to like quickly get some shoes on and jackets on and run outside and go out to be outside and hear it and by the time we got outside it stopped but i do have a clip of it here from that video recording i pulled the audio i adjusted the eq slightly and i looped it so it's going to play the same clip which i think is like 20 seconds or 15 seconds going to play it three times you're going to hear so this is from my my the stairwell in my apartment i went out to get my shoes and you're going to hear me moving around you're gonna hear uh, uh you know some sounds maybe from my neighbors i think you hear ally in the background at one point say something to me but you will also hear what i think is pretty obviously not any of that and this is the fort green sound uh that this is a clip that i personally recorded me it's my door closing or something near the end i think you can hear ally in the background say something to me but you hear you can you, you hear that whirring sound for sure right oh, yeah. this is again from inside my apartment building that i'm recording this so yeah that's that's my experience with a hum like sound happening right here in my neighborhood so that was loud it's really loud obviously that's a that's a silly thing to say but just i mean to me that sounds like a giant piece of machinery 30 feet away on the street like you know moving around yeah maybe not digging or anything but it sounds like a the source of that would have to be so obvious because it's so encompassing right which yeah one would think but did you you said you didn't make it outside and yeah, in time did, to hear it. We didn't make it outside. It stopped. I have heard it outside once before I knew that it was a thing and before it kind of registered with me, but it definitely was not coming from my block. I could tell it was coming from the direction of Fort Green Park, which is a few blocks away. Like it wasn't coming from I could just it, it's to, from what it seemed to me it wasn't coming from the immediate vicinity around our apartment. But yeah, this this was loud enough to stop me take note and be like oh holy shit i haven't heard it since uh i haven't had quite as much downtime since i'm not spending daytime in my apartment i uh, as i was in this stretch of time but yeah i don't know unexplained fort green hum that's my experience so with what it. would you guess if you had to guess i, I, I have a guess but I mean, i'll let you go my first. guess would be some sort of construction if you go to fort green park which i take a walk in almost every day even if i'm working at the end of the day i come home and take a walk in and there's like, you can see several different construction sites, no matter which direction you look. And that would be my guess. But again, this has been captured at night and these, those crews aren't working in the night. I mean, what it sounds they're like. Not supposed they're to not work supposed at night. to work That's at night. That's why I said that <laughs> yeah. earlier. They're not supposed to work at night. What this one sounds like to me 
is like when you rub your finger on like the lip of a crystal bowl or something. Right. That's what it, it, it sounds like. So, you know, okay, so they, that doesn't exactly come through in the recording, but that's what it felt like. Yeah, is that like that hum? Yes, that's that's what it sounds like to my ear. It, it, it the it's slightly different in what I recorded, but that's what it sounds like. So I don't know, but that day, you know, so even though it had stopped, I did, Allie and I did go out. We walked through the neighborhood. We walked through the park, tried to identify anything that might be causing it, was hoping it would start back up again. It didn't. That day wasn't a particularly windy day. It was an overcast, pretty still day. No precipitation or anything. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what it was. Well, okay. So I I did have a guess. And now that you've related it, to the rim of a glass I guess that that kind of uh, diminishes this but you know so where's the closest train stop uh, it's about a 10 minute walk it's like three it's four or longer blocks away oh so there's not one like a block away no you know sometimes you hear something on the train tracks that's right. not a train if they have one of those transpo things or sure. a cleaning a work truck and it just or, or makes work. a different type of grind totally. on the rails totally but that would have to be you would have to have a subway stop on the corner right yeah no there's nothing that close weird yeah super weird I- i've been listening for it haven't heard it since i haven't seen any other news outlets pick up the story since two or three local news stations ran it back in the winter But I'm listening for it. I'm definitely going to try to record it if I hear it again. That is the end of our natural sounds, as I as I call them. We're going to move on to man-made sounds. And the first one I'm going to talk about is Havana Syndrome, which has obviously uh, gotten some press in the last five years or so, uh, seven years. And basically, before I play a clip, uh, just a, a little rundown of what Havana Syndrome is or allegedly is, and Back in 2016, 2017, um, American diplomats who were in Cuba began experiencing inexplicable bouts of headaches, nausea, hearing loss, and this was all brought on by some sort of unknown high-pitched sound that they were hearing. Officials suspected that maybe these diplomats had experienced some sort of targeted attack And the administration at the time expelled 15 Cuban diplomats from the U.S. as a direct response. While many assumed that the claims from these Havana Syndrome experiencers were fake, uh, the leading theory among U.S. intelligence officials is that the illness comes from targeted attacks made by secret microwave weapons. So, I'm going to play a little clip of what uh, Havana Syndrome sounds like. This clip I'm taking from the Associated Press. They they somehow obtained a recording of what U.S. Embassy workers heard in Havana before they started experiencing uh, these symptoms. I nearly feel like I got an instant headache from that. That isn't that sucks. That right. sounds sucks. And that 
the background sound that sounds like a, a hand dryer or a hair dryer. That's not it. It's no, just that it's high just pitch. that high pitch sound. They they I, I, that was something to do with the way they recorded it. It's right. Just okay. This, just this high pitched sound, and then the thing that changes is just some sort of room ambience from a different way that they recorded the sound. And so, only the U.S. ambassadors in Cuba heard this, or they were the only people that were like important enough they were for the, it to be. They were the talk, first noted people, or talked about. They were the first people to come forward and say that they were experiencing these symptoms of like hearing loss, headaches, nausea, and that they seemed to be linked to them hearing this high-pitched sound. And is, so they were, they talked, they were like, they complained about it. Correct. And then somebody, one of them recorded it? Who recorded yeah, this so, sound? I don't know. That, uh, that I don't know. This just says the Associated Press got this clip from somewhere. This is like an abbreviated YouTube video, so okay. I'm not 100% clear on that. But I guess, so obviously it doesn't, this is not like some uh, professional effort to record these sounds it just sounds like somebody someone i think on their phone right as they were experiencing it pulled their phone out and and press record so if you're hearing that on not professional grade audio equipment that's like that's as clear as day totally yeah so imagine if you obviously it doesn't translate 100 percent, but that's not something that you have to dig or search for you can hear it it's right there on the surface like you can hear it so yeah presumably other people other than these uh, like 21 U.S. diplomats who were in Cuba like had experience. As you, uh, you know, I would think, but I don't know. I don't know for sure. So yeah, they suspected uh, the U.S. suspected it was some sort of microwave weapon. Eyes looked to Russian agents as the suspected culprits. Russian agents operating in Cuba, testing out some. And they're like, ah, oh, well, let's just test it in Cuba. Who cares? I guess. Yeah. So. The 21 diplomats who initially reported sy- symptoms were um, looked at and studied, and they found signs of brain damage in many of them. Like the same type of brain damage? Like, yes, correct. And what what's even more unusual is that... Oh, that would piss me off the, so bad. The doctors said usually, like, people who incur brain damage show signs of trauma to your skull. Like, if you're in a car accident or you're... A, professional athlete and you hit your head or whatever there's some sort of trauma to the skull not just you having the brain damage and in this instance they didn't have that trauma on their skull they just had this brain damage and they like this is kind of funny i guess but they began to refer to it as immaculate concussions (laughs) because (laughs) they were like just like having these people were concussed with like no obvious reason why so chosen I guess. So original theories pointed to some sort of sonic weapon, uh, but this theory has been discredited by scientists. Um, another proposed cause is is light, not sound, some sort of microwave weapon. Uh, there's my cat going crazy. That's Eloise. She wants to be on the show. This episode, I've created a few of my own. We'll have Easter egg strange sounds <laughs> for the uh, listener to, it's great. to hunt down if they want to. Um. So, yeah, people think maybe it was some sort of microwave weapon. You know, other people say that it, people are those people are just making it up. But the, the State Department has stressed that each possible cause remains speculative. No, no, no evidence of any sort of weapon has been found. And Cuba and Russia have denied that they were behind any of these attacks. But, yeah, it's it. I mean, I don't know. For 21 people that have brain damage and have similar symptoms after hearing this sort of thing, I mean, it doesn't take 
an idiot to realize that like something weird had happened. There are also people who say that like this particular sound is some sort of like cricket or locust, which sure I can believe, but at the same time it's like, well, if these people still have this, the, you know, this evidence to support something going on with them physically, it's like, I don't know, maybe it's a coincidence that they, it just happened to be when they were hearing these locusts. I don't know. They would have to be right up on the, you right. know, that sound, that, that sounds like a, a locust the size of a cow. Right. Yeah. Is that just the, like the, the, pulse or the shape of the sound kind of sounds like that but it doesn't it doesn't sound like that to me I mean I've heard you know been camping I'm sure you've heard the same thing and you've heard insane you know bugs like uh, kind of collective you know it doesn't sound like that it sounds the light thing was interesting so yeah I I can't I, I can't really pin down exactly why that makes sense to me but it does in a weird way. Right. Kind of sound like not something that has like a physical source. Sure, sure. But sure. that it's this like this whining of like like a aberration of of like light and something else that the light. You know what I mean? Just yeah, some yeah. Weird. Right. And people, you know, scientists have gone on to say that microwave weapons do for sure exist because that if it's light if they're utilizing light it's a microwave weapon of some sort so microwave weapons do exist the u.s military has even um tested them for like crowd control like these microwave weapons i don't really exactly know how they work but these devices that they've tested are huge they're like really big devices not you wouldn't be able to conceal them and they also work like the size of a van i think so yeah they're like large and they they also work like an, it, it, a microwave weapon would heat the skin from the outside in. Like you would be microwaved if you were targeted by one of these weapons intensely. And none of the so because of this, like the skin would show signs of that. And none of the original 21 people who experienced the Havana syndrome thing had this issue with showing microwaved skin or burned skin in any way. So well, maybe it was far enough away. Sure. So what were they? I mean, they weren't like hearing it and within 30 seconds clawing at their ears and going insane it no. was more of like a, a like a uh, like a passive like annoyance Correct. like yes. a harassment thing so what if this thing was instead of like oh you know what we're gonna do like some crowd control you park it in the middle of a crowd, a riot, or whatever it is. Instead of that, they're testing it, and it's like, well, let's put it like half a mile away, sure, and kind of see what the passive what effects, the effects are. are. And it's just kind of more of, so you're not feeling the physical thing, but you're you're just getting a taste of right yeah. of the audio. Seems totally possible. So as of now, they still they still haven't figured out exactly what it is. And when was this? This the, originally, these people started reporting their symptoms in 2016, 2017. So, okay, so super recently. Yeah, very recently. Within our current modern kind of technological. Yes. So it wasn't only Americans at the embassy in Cuba. So, for example, there were Cubans who were experiencing this as well. Because I, you know, I could maybe guess that there is, you know, as a, a, a stretch, maybe there's some, you know, uh, 
geographical manifestation of some thing that's happening there that the locals aren't experiencing. But sure. if you go there, you know, something akin to like uh, if you've ever had like altitude sickness when you travel. Right, and it's right. like, oh, well, I'm just used to this. I'm, uh, I'm calibrated to it. You're coming in, you know, fresh off the boat. You, you, you can't handle it yet. So, of course, it's fucking you up. But it was happening to... Th- this was just... The, the, the reason why it's interesting to the American media is because it was happening but it, to uh, Americans in Cuba, but it was also happening to Cubans in Cuba at the exact same moment, correct? I believe so, yeah. I, I believe so. Huh. But it did it did seem, or at least the conclusions that were drawn were like that it was... It did seem targeted, basically. It wasn't just like, you know, the whole... It wasn't like something that was going around the entire city of Havana where everybody was feeling this. It was... It did seem like it was some sort of targeted thing, but... Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. some type of yeah. weird, like, PSYOP or... Right. Uh, ...experimental weapon. Like I said before, I mean, it's... It's funny because it's true. Like, well, let's test it at the embassy in Cuba. Right. Like, that, yeah, why that not? It just seems like something Russians would do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's... Because they, they just so much easier to shrug off. Right. That's Havana Syndrome. So, again, if you uh, if you have been an experiencer of Havana Syndrome, please reach out. We'd love to hear from you. So next, uh, under our man-made category, we're going to move to number stations. And number stations are shortwave radio stations that are believed to transmit information to various intelligence officers operating around the world in in countries that are foreign to them. Number stations became utilized during World War One and continue to operate through today. Some of them utilize Morse code, speech synthesis, number vocalization, as well as like phase shift or frequency shift keying. Some of them just have people speaking on there normally, but the, the majority of them seem to be some sort of synthesis, uh, like speech synthesis. Like So imagine like if, you know, if you're getting your computer to talk back to you or whatever. Most stations have what seem to be set schedules or patterns, but uh, some are totally random and infrequent broadcasting at unpredictable times. Uh, And they all usually operate in the high frequency band of short, short wave radio. So just a little more about number stations before I play you some, some clips. I have a Uh, question as well, before we go into the clip. Yeah. After, after you continue saying what you, number stations were especially utilized during the cold war era. And many stations from this era continue to broadcast even though different operators may have taken over some of these long-time stations. Generally, number stations follow a basic format, although there are many differences, of course. Transmissions usually begin on the hour or the half hour. The prelude or the introduction is like a call-up of a transmission from which stations' nicknames are often derived. So it's like, you know, they might play like a certain clip of a, or a certain uh, melody of a song or whatever so there's one that we're going to talk about called the Lincolnshire Poacher and that's the name of a song and at the beginning of the broadcast on that station they play that the, the melody from that song and then it usually has some sort of identifier for the station itself and then it, they it's like some sort of code that they or some sort of code or electronic sound that, that gets broadcast sometimes as in the case of radio alphabet stations the intro or the prelude can also signify the nature or property of the message to follow. So it might indicate that there actually is no message. Like they would send out these these broadcasts even if they didn't have a message to send, just to try, uh, presumably to try to keep code breakers, you know, on their toes. 
and after the prelude there's usually an announcement of the number or number groups in the message and uh, the groups are often recited as four or five digits or radio alphabet numbers and then they're typically repeated the message message is usually read a couple times during a broadcast and then it'll go back to doing whatever it does when they're not broadcasting so uh, before I get into it what, what's your I think you immediately answered it so okay. this is like a like 50s like a cold war era clandestine yes. communication correct where you could kind of cloak your so not using Morse code but so that's the purpose of this correct or or was or was it, it, and now but, it, it exists as like a pirate no they still exist thing, as, or they, it, they still exist for their original intention but the, the the interesting thing about them is no one has ever really claimed like governments typically don't actually claim them it's just presumed so it's like Oh, here's like a Russian number station. Here's a Chinese one. Here's a one that's obviously like UK or United States. But no one actually says like, oh, that yeah, like that's our station. Like, uh, of course, because if cause somebody did crack it, correct, you don't want to confirm anything. Ex- so it's exactly so. So no one ever really owns up to them. But you can, you know, pretty good guesses can be made as to what they are, or who's running them, right. If they're speaking Russian, for example, it's exactly. probably Russian. In another interesting note, it, during my research about this, I came across like people who said that there seemed to be, at the height of the popularity of this, there seemed to be sort of like, sort of like an understanding between the different groups or different countries or different who agencies that were utilizing these, where it's like, you know, everyone has to do this. It's like a dirty deed that needs to get done. So like they just do it without fucking with the other person's. What, like don't use it. my frequencies. Yeah. Like sort of. Yeah. Kind of. Some of them are still going on. It did seem like in the early 2010s, the use of them like dropped off pretty steeply. And it like, that is of course around the time that fucking, right. iPhone, you know, smartphones like really took over. So they don't really need them, I guess anymore. The internet, the internet like, you know, smartphones around that time specifically, I think you could start getting, burner smartphones where you could have internet on a burner phone that wasn't linked to anybody and you know specifically these are you know these are not supernatural but they are creepy and can be very weird i was listening to these walking home last night from the train at like midnight by myself in my headphones and i freaked myself the fuck out that's awesome to them so the first one i'll play is, is i already mentioned it was called the lincolnshire poacher and it is no longer in operation, but it was presumably a British shortwave number station that was transmitted from England. And and is this something that you could theoretically like tune, tune into? Yes, if you had a shortwave radio oh, cool. receiver, yes, you you could. This one ran from like the mid '60s until June of 2008, and it gets its name, the Lincolnshire Poacher, from an English folk song that is like they play at the top of uh, each broadcasted message. So you'll hear that when, when I play the clip. As I said, this one is no longer in operation. They did know, I think they knew where this one got broadcasted from. I think it was first broadcast from Bletchley Park. Butchering the name of that, but that was like the, the top secret home of British codebreakers during World War II. And then it was later broadcast from a Royal Air Force base in, in Cyprus and then ceased broadcasting in 2008. So, yeah, here you go. This is the, the Lincolnshire Poacher. So this melody is to confirm that you've got the right yes. station. Yep. 
So that's it. That's awesome. They're super cool. Very weird. It's very weird in a not weird way because we know exactly what they are. There's nothing unknown about them other than what the code is, which is cool. So yeah, they would play that, those note, or you know, they would have those intros to know that you, yeah, you were the right station. Like I said, that one is like a folk song that I guess is, is popular. And then sometimes they would play, the stations would just play things like that constantly hold the frequency to not give it up basically so someone else would take it over and then they would only interrupt it when they had a message to transmit so a good example is the next one I'm going to talk about which is called the buzzer or UVB 76 and that is a shortwave radio station that broadcasts on the frequency of 4625 and it basically broadcasts this short this like buzz tone that repeats at approximately 25 tones per minute and it goes 24 hours a day so i'm going to play it and it'll make sense what the buzz tone is once i play it but they 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 brought they keep this tone going all day every day to hold the frequency this one the buzzer is russian for sure some sort of russian signal the buzz will get interrupted by a russian voice transmission the voice will repeat a name or like a location before the buzzer signal continues the this particular number station uh, the start date is disputed, but it's allegedly reported to have started in like the late seventies, possibly around nineteen seventy six, and it's still going today. Wow! Fucking Russia is like that's just how they operate. Still, no covering one, every possible right. fucking base you could. They've never claimed ownership of it, but it is still going today. I have like I have a couple of clips pulled up here as recent as last year, like last August. But here's one from here's a clip from the buzzer from two thousand and two. That's so funny, the difference between, like, the British sensibility of making it a little, you know, right, playful and adding some element of humanism to it, and the Russian attitude of just, like, just cold, so- clinical, like, why would you do anything else besides just... <laughs> so, this is from last month, this one. Dude, that is so sick. It's so that is from rad. last month. It's from so, this is from April tenth, twenty twenty-three. So this is two weeks old. They're using this in their war in against their Ukraine. War. Yes, that totally. is so crazy. In, it's, is it like a fail-safe way of communicating? Like this is like a post-nuclear whatever. This is going to be something that I, works. That's I guess. Like, what's What's interesting about this one is he calls out people by name at the beginning of it. Let's listen again. Nikolai, Zhenya, Tatiana, Ivan. Nikolai is the first name. Tatiana. Tatiana, Ivan. 
So so we don't have a translation of of all of of that. I'm sure that exists out there, but I don't. But we don't, I don't have, have it that in front of us. No. The thing that jumps out to me is that it. I've never been in the military, but it seems like in the military, I w- you know I wouldn't be like Andrew, Greg, well, Yale. I would you know you would say like right. Y- you would I, you would address people differently. That sounds very civilian. Right. Sounds very what, casual. Yeah, very casual is what I mean. Yeah, I don't know. It's very strange. This one, listen. This, as I said, it's called UVB seventy six with a buzzer, and this one is like by far the most discussed number station on the internet. The rabbit hole for this is seemingly endless. I think because it's run for so long, it continues to go. You can find so many people talking about this. People have spent years like listening to it live. Like people just like who have office jobs will just like fucking listen to it all day while they're at work and then like write about it on like Reddit and shit. And what's really interesting about it. What a grim life. Yeah. What's really interesting about it no is No offense like, to anybody, that just seems so <laughs> hardcore to listen to that for eight hours a day. Right. Like, what is the long-term effect that's having on your psyche? Oh, yeah, it can't be good. Constant buzzer. I mean, it's like going to brainwash you. You're going to become like it's a probably worse Manchurian than candidate <laughs> for yeah. Russia. So the, the location of the transmission has moved over the years. And there's even, like, you can find online a named location where it used to be. And, like, urban explorers have gone there. And there was, like, a rusted defunct diesel generator there and some radio equipment and they just like fucking pulled the ripcord and bailed and moved it to somewhere else and it's still transmitting and there you can be listening to it so it runs off they know it runs off a diesel generator they found that at the previous transmission sites and you can be listening to it and the fucking generator will like run out of gas and the buzz will just like fizzle out and then it starts back up again and people have like deduced it's literally like you know, imagine like what happens to a light bulb if a generator shuts off. It kind of just like fizzles out. Like right. they, they have figured out when they hear these weird things that are not normal sounding buzzes that that's they've deduced that that's what it is, which is really interesting. That is so cool. I mean, there are so many things. All of this is new to me. Every single thing that you and I have discussed today is is brand new to me. There's a lot of things that I want to return to. That's the first thing I'm going to return to. That is so interesting and just bizarre it's i would say it's more bizarre than it is strange because i do understand why it's being done but that's just such a a ridiculous uh reason to do that and it's so beautiful even if it's you know given the current state of the world and you know what russia is currently doing to the world is you know evil right uh so if it's being used for anything like that that of course is horrible but that is absolutely fascinating. It's every, incredibly fascinating. Every detail is fascinating. It's been going for nearly 50 years at this point. Here's one. I haven't listened to this one. I didn't have this prepared, but here's another transmission from it. as interesting as I thought. That. Well, it is interesting. So it's the the spaced out rhythmic thing is the 
that's the, the thing that holds the, the station. Right, and then it's the, Morse code on top of that. And then it's Morse that. code. Yeah. Yeah. I super. mean, that's maybe not as interesting as the guy uh, naming names. Right. Very, but it's yeah. still really. I was actually going to ask why haven't we heard any Morse code yet? And people, people did use them exclusively for that. It's some number stations, and then some it was like intermittent with that. But UVB seventy six is really, really interesting. And I think you know, it's just gotten such. It's what's what's fascinating about it is it is so popular. It's so notorious. But like they keep using it, like they haven't tried to switch it up. They haven't tried to find a new frequency. They haven't tried to find a new like placeholder other than the same buzz that they've been using. It's not broke. Don't right. fix it. I guess. Yeah, it's really, really interesting to me. I don't know. Stick it, with the classics. That was the last number station that I had, but I, arguably the most interesting one that's ever existed. The buzzer station, super, super cool, really wild. I, yeah, you can go out and find live transmissions of it right now if you're interested, and let us know if you hear anything good on there. All right, wrapping up our weird man-made sounds, I'm going to segue from the Russian number station to something that has been called Lost Cosmonauts. So in the early 60s, you know, the space race was happening, uh, and Russia was certainly at the front of it. And in 1961, they claim to have made history to have sent the first person into outer space, basically. The first cosmonaut they sent in 1961, they had had this successful mission. But there were these, a short time later, there there were these two brothers from Italy who claimed that they had been monitoring Soviet space program transmissions starting as early as 1957, and that the, the cosmonaut in 1961, whose name was Yuri Gagarin, I believe, uh, wasn't actually the first person the first russian to have made it into outer space that there were others before him he was just the first one who survived the mission and so that what they you know are suggest were suggesting was that the soviet space program was just not successful the first time that they sent the first several times that they sent people up there and that they were sort of covering up these failed missions to save themselves the embarrassment right they're just like that. these morbid right. failures so these brothers, these two Italian brothers, they, as I said, claim that they intercepted several different on more on several occasions over the course of I believe like four years, intercepted these transmissions from the Soviet space program, and there was uh, there was one where they said that they had uh, picked up a Morse code SOS signal from a spacecraft that appeared to be moving away from the Earth, that was going really fast. And these brothers, by the way, I think they. I don't know if they're both deceased now, but uh, at least one of them is, but he died in like 2015. So people had contemporary interviews and interactions and spoke to them about this. So they captured this this Morse code from a craft that was like going into orbit away from Earth. But their most famous recording, um, which is, I think, when people hear Lost Cosmonaut, this is what they think of, was recorded supposedly in 1963, in November of 1963. So this was two years after the Soviets said that they had their first successful mission. And these brothers claim that the recording that they captured is actually one of the cosmonauts, the lost cosmonauts from the earlier missions in like the late 50s, early 60s, before the successful one. Uh, re-entering Earth's orbit. So she had been out there on her own for however long, year, years maybe, and then was re-entering the Earth's atmosphere and they captured this signal from her. 
they didn't speak Russian. It's all in Russian. They eventually got it translated. Uh, this is fucking eerie. This is like, to me, incredibly scary and just weird. So we'll play it and we'll talk about it. And I, as I, as it plays, I'm gonna read uh, a bit of the translation from it, but I'll let it go for a minute here. Listen, listen, come in, come in, talk to me. I am hot, I am hot. She keeps saying, I feel hot, I feel hot. It goes on for like another minute but it basically the, the translation is she keeps saying I feel hot I can see a flame I will re-enter and she's basically saying will I die will I die I feel hot I feel hot so this is allegedly a recording of this female cosmonaut burning alive as she re-enters the earth's atmosphere after like a failed mission which is fucking eerie man yeah I think the thing besides like you know the obvious content and the thing that also makes it seem like it's not a hoax is she has this there's some hope in her voice you know what i mean yeah yeah for sure there's this kind of like hey you guys are watching right like this is this is this normal like this is what's happening not somebody like hurling towards the earth to certain death right so there's this very kind of like she's keeping her cool she doesn't quite know how severe the situation is or she hasn't accepted it or she's like lost her mind because she's been in space for a year well that's that's interesting that you said hope because that actually is like not something that not a way that i had considered it but like yeah what say she had been outside you know out there lost to time and space literally for a year and then all of a sudden she catches the orbit and she's going to re-enter the atmosphere and she's like, oh shit, I'm, the, the I'm going back. The best possible thing yeah, that can like, happen. And she's like, guys, guys, like you see this? Like, guys, hey, like, I mean, she's obviously distressed, but still, yeah, sounding seemingly, you know, as you said, hasn't accepted or is hoping not to accept what is in front of her. But goddamn, it really, that like makes my hair stand up in a way that none of these other sounds so far have. Yeah, it, it just has this type of a, uh, you know, just sadness 
to it. Uh, it. And people speculate that it was a hoax, that these brothers hoaxed this stuff. And, you know, there there are different reasons why people think this. They said some of, not, not specifically this, but some of the other radio waves that the brothers had claimed to capture, like, they just weren't, it didn't seem physically possible based on where some known crafts were and where they were in Italy where they were recording this. The brothers never came out and said that it was a hoax. Uh, it, would also, it was also, I don't know, they were young. They were they were younger people. It seemed like they were radio enthusiasts. And it, I, I don't know. There, you could you could go either way and say, yeah, like they were young kids. They, they constructed this elaborate hoax. Or you go the other way and say they were young kids who were just into this and they just happened to be in the right place at the right time and caught this crazy thing. I mean, listen, the whole thing about Russia not owning up to failed these failed missions that's easy to believe that doesn't take any convincing for me to believe that that happened and i'm not saying it's exclusive to russia either that's any governmental agency absolutely um they don't have to fess up to it but there would obviously you and i haven't done this research there would be some record of it crashing if it if it crashed outside of russia and outside of some random spot in the ocean so if it was close enough to Italy that there is a very clear tra- like a local radio transmission it would have crashed somewhere in mainland well, Europe and there would be a record of it or what do you think about I that? think yes but I think that because these were like be- because we're assuming or accepting the fact that this was like a Soviet test mission really early on in the Soviet space program my guess is that it burned up as it entered the atmosphere and nothing made oh, it Oh, and there's just nothing left. Yeah. Like, because they had... Oh, I ha- yeah, I ha- that's obvious. I, I just didn't think of it right. that way. Like, but yeah, something returning from... It's going to be a fireball. Right. I mean, now we have crafts and pods that can survive that re-entering of the atmosphere, but that took, you know, decades of, of development, I assume, from different space programs. So this, if you assume this is an early craft that wasn't, they didn't know what re-entering the atmosphere entailed and they hadn't successfully done it yet, you can just as easily assume that it just burned up and there was nothing made it to the surface of the Earth. Yeah, that's that makes sense. Yeah, really eerie. That was kind of a last minute addition I threw in there that I didn't do a super deep dive on, but there's a lot of information about it out there. Something about that totally unnerved me and I felt like it was worth sharing. If you are if you want to know more about it, just search Lost Cosmonauts, and I'm sure you'll be able to find a wealth of, of information on the internet about it. But, yeah, that's very strange. If that's real, fuck, that poor, poor woman. Man. Scary and sad. And, I don't know. It has this, like, pureness yeah. to it. Yeah, for sure. She's just, like... It's just very humanizing. I, I'm probably going to live or... Like the closer I am to salvation, actually, the further scary. Super. But scary. yeah, fucking cool, and I think definitely uh, fits right into the topic. Totally. All right, moving on. last section of sonic strangeness we're going to talk about supernatural sounds and mostly uh what i have prepared is is talking about evps which if you're not familiar with that is electronic voice phenomenon and basically what that is is uh it's sounds captured on electronic recording devices that are typically interpreted as paranormal in origin so you know you 
record something on some sort of recorder, digital recorder, tape recorder, you play it back later, and there's an unexplained voice or sound. In some cases, you know, people having a conversation. Other cases, maybe you just hear the sounds of like a residual haunting, someone going about their business. This, this is the idea behind EVPs or electronic voice phenomenon. And uh, there are a few people who are sort of credited with the discovery of the phenomenon, but the one, the version that I like the best is a guy named Frederick Jurgensen, who uh, was a Swedish artist. And in 1959, while he was recording the sounds of a Swedish finch on a tape recorder, uh, he heard a human voice upon playing the tape back. And at first he chalked it up to an equipment malfunction, um, thinking maybe he had intercepted a radio transmission or radio waves um, inadvertently, or maybe the tape was you know, degenerating and there was something else on it or whatever. But or maybe one of his buddies was fucking with him because he was getting a recording of a Swedish bitch. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Uh, but when subsequent recordings contained more disembodied voices, he wasn't really sure what was going on. And then ultimately, he claims to have received a message from his deceased mother. She she was speaking to him directly on this recording that he had, uh, that he had made in his home. And man, I tried so hard to find a copy of these recordings and I just couldn't come up with them. I don't think that they're on the internet, sadly. They must still exist somewhere if anybody has a lead on that boy would I like to hear what Frederick Jurgensen's dead mother had to say to him while he was recording bird sounds I told you not to record the- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> messing around with these birds get your life to go to have a girlfriend he was an artist too I'm sure that was she probably had opinions about that since Jurgens' discovery countless numbers of people you know thousands hundreds of thousands of people have captured disembodied voices and unexplained sounds on audio recordings recorders believing that the sources were unseen entities or spirits a lot of the time even EVPs are often touted as hard evidence from paranormal investigators. It's one of the most popular tools by these investigators. You really can't turn on a ghost hunting television show without seeing someone initiating an EVP session, trying to instigate unseen spirits to respond to their questioning. And this makes for, you know, a lot of alleged EVP evidence, some that's more convincing than others. So, yeah, you know, if you're, if you're unfamiliar with the idea of how you would capture this or what an EVP session in a paranormal investigation setting might be like. It's basically you bring out a recorder, an audio recorder of some sort, you set it down, you press record, and then you start trying to entice something from the other side to, to speak. And the idea is that maybe they're speaking at a frequency that humans can't hear, but that can be picked up on the tape, or maybe they are able to use the energy that's in the tape recorder to imprint themselves onto the recording device. You know, there are a few different different theories out there about how, you know, that that might work. But kind of the same principle as you know, a lot of people who have things that appear in photographs. Totally. Just yes. the energy of the location. And even, you know, obviously, maybe, you know, people listening haven't heard this. It's a pretty common conclusion that ghosts themselves are a photograph on the environment where something traumatic has happened in this trauma has caused this energy to be released and kind of left so that you know translates i think perfectly from visual to audio i also think that it's just such an easy thing to kind of 
fake or embellish, and that's why you see so much of it on, like, you know, I don't... Do you watch any ghost hunting shows? Of, of course we've all seen them, but I don't... I will occasionally, like, put one on and watch 20 minutes of just it. Just to see the like, current state of... Yeah, right. it's never... It's never, never great. Well, but they yeah. never find a ghost. Right, that's the whole thing. Um, and then, you know, there are people who cite natural or scientific explanations for why some people hear these things on audio devices. And, you know, that could be radio interference or a lot of the time it's sort of like the tendency of our brains to recognize pattern in in random stimuli. And this, this both works visually and, you know, in an auditory way. So, you know, it, pareidolia is like this, the, the idea of like the brain incorrectly interpreting something random as something familiar. So like in, in the instance of an EVP, you hear, and then you think it said, Hey you, or whatever. Like, and so of course, like, you know, there's, you're never going to have an EVP that convinces every single person in the room that it, it is what someone's saying it is. And I, you know, I went through, listened to a ton of EVPs for this and I didn't even pick out that many because I do think it's like kind of subjective and I don't want to, I don't want to play you an EVP without being certain that it's what, you know, that hasn't been tampered with or that whoever made it, their intentions weren't what they claim they were or whatever. But I did pick out one. I'm going to play two clips. So I picked out one from another podcast. Um, The podcast is called Astonishing Legends. It's a great, great show. Those guys are very, very talented, very, very thorough researchers. They make incredible content very good show so shout out to them and back in 2018 the the guys on that show investigated a place called the sally house where they recorded the cvp that i'll play in a moment but just a little back story on the sally house it's located in atchison kansas and it's said to be an extremely haunted location the most popular ghost story that comes out of the house is that of a young girl who died there while undergoing surgery at the hand of the doctor who lived in the house. And this was like in the mid 1800s. So it's a private residence, it's a private residence. And the story goes that she had to have some sort of emergency surgery. Her mom came over and brought her there. The doctor agreed to do it. This young girl named Sally died. Uh, well, well, the surgery was being performed and now allegedly she's still there. And it's said that Sally is, uh, particularly interested in male visitors to the house sometimes scratching them until they bleed so that's that's the scene of where the cvp was captured again this is not mine this is from astonishing legends but it is worth listening to because it is insane that what you're about to hear it is not like any other evp that i've ever heard whatever you're expecting it's not going to be like that uh this is a little bit disturbing yeah, you don't know what i'm expecting okay i don't know it no, is i shouldn't have said anything and when you played it i should have been like that's exactly oh, yeah. what i was expecting oh, yeah. that's what i expect <laughs> this is like maybe disturbing in a very anomalous way so just be warned again this is from astonishing legends this is their they call this file 10 EVP from their Sally House investigation. So at the beginning, you're going to hear one of the guys from Astonishing Legends setting the scene when he presses record on the, the recorder they were using before he steps away. So here it is. Okay. File 10. I'm putting this down. I'm going to leave this here for about five minutes. If there's anything you want to say, any message you would like to share with the world, leave it on this recorder. And we will share it. Leaving now, closing the door. No one else is in this room this time. Okay. 
So that goes on for like another 20 seconds. Wow. Isn't that insane? That is not what I was expecting. <laughs> that, I mean, you could feel. 100%. How, like the, wow, that, that was fucked up. It's it, so That is either wild. a perfect, elaborate hoax or, I mean, that is tapping right into something that wants to communicate something. And I very much think it's that. Again, that is from Astonishing Legends. Copyright, Aston- Astonishing Legends Productions. That is their EVP. Uh, I just thought it was worth sharing. Listen, those guys are, if you've heard that show ever, they are so genuine. They are so well-researched. Like, they're, I, I don't think that there is another podcast, paranormal podcast that rivals the research that they do. I mean, they, they will do, like, a, when they do a large topic, they'll do, like, six two-hour episodes about it it's great like they really is a lot of it like boots on the ground not type of stuff not a lot of it but a lot of it is like they really delve into like um proper research of things and they really a lot of the time like dispel like wikipedia shit like they'll 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 provide research that's more in depth than what's on wikipedia and like show that they're like hey wikipedia has this wrong or whatever like they're just very very smart and they have a whole team of people working with them uh i just thought that was worth playing because i just have never heard anything like that and i truly believe it to be genuine when i originally heard their their episode it's a series about the sally house i was listening to that with like headphones by myself in my house like while i was just like cleaning or something and i like had to stop it because it caught me so off guard i was like oh holy fucking shit yeah that was extremely intense i think the thing that was uh kind of the most unnerving about it is that it wasn't like this one kind of solid sound bite. Right. It really felt like it kind of breaks through speaking or the, the structure of like, you know, saying more than one word. Right. Um, And it's just, and there was like these lulls where it was like thinking about what it wanted to say and then getting more angry. That was really really terrifying it's so <laughs> terrifying i'm going to i'm going to play the last like 20 seconds of this clip oh boy Thank you for your time. He has no idea God, what just imagine happened. Imagine listening to that and still being in the room, he has like no right idea. after. Yeah, no idea what just happened. Wow. And what's really interesting about this clip is that before you know, before it starts, when he's in the room, like I don't think you can tout or, or say that it's like a recorder malfunction because it very clearly isn't happening the whole time, and it very clearly starts and has some breaks and then cl- seemingly stops once he's in there and back in the space fully it is very very strange super wild it's one of my i think one of the most impressive pieces of paranormal evidence that i've ever seen or heard ever anywhere extremely intense and really sad with the backstory right if that's if that's a little that's what it is i mean wow just i mean uh, just pent up frustration and anger so sad and then the room that they set that recorder up in was like the nursery of the house now the girl didn't live there she was a patient of the doctor who lived there but you know if you're a young girl spirit trapped in a place that has a nursery you're probably going to feel most comfortable in that nursery i would think 
really, really terrifying. If you want to hear more about that, check out the Astonishing, Astonishing Legends series about, series about the Sally House. And I did want to, I wanted to bring up something about this EVP in this instance. So they captured this clip on a very specific recorder that's uh, made by Panasonic and the model is RRDR60. This specific recorder is one of, if not the most sought after recorders used to capture EVPs. Um, It's said to be the most effective and it's kind of just like, was kind of this recorder that Panasonic put out, I think in like the late 90s, early 2000s, not for this purpose, just for digital recording purposes. But it became popular really quickly due to the ha- there's like a voice activation mode so people could set it and I believe that's what they did in this instance where you set it up in a room you leave it on voice activation mode and so basically it's idling until something makes it activate oh so it might not it right. might not get anything right correct so it's that makes this even creepier yes because it's like as soon as he was out of the room right it started dictating. Right. So the recorder wow. registered that that was happening. So and they people like that because like it made editing easier, it made going through the files easier because you're not just listening to nothing if there's nothing there. But this thing was like so allegedly that this recorder is like so effective that some people who were using it not for this purpose called the manufacturer to complain that they had a defective recorder because they were getting voices on their recordings. <laughs> they like were inadvertently capturing EVPs without trying. So this thing is like, it's expensive. I've seen them go on eBay for like over $1,500 now. Wow. And no I'm kidding. sure when it came out, it was probably a $150 recorder or whatever. Crazy. But, That's like the, uh, you know, I, the GX1000, like the, exactly. the skateboard video yeah. that everybody, you know, they, they you know, same deal. It's yes. like well over a thousand bucks these days for this thing that was a, a prosumer. Right. Uh, yeah. So this thing, you know, people people who are really paranormal investigators who are really into it and really invested probably know this recorder and probably seek out this recorder a lot of the time. So yeah, super. Your EVP ain't shit unless it was captured on the what on is the that? RRDR, RRDR sixty. Interesting. So we gotta get one. Let's that I know. I go trust in on me. one. I, I, I need an excuse to. We need to we need to set up an investigation and we will. Speaking of, the last clip that I'm gonna play before I let you tell a tale is something that I recorded last year. Now, I don't know, you know, even as someone who was there, who was in the room, who recorded this with my own equipment, brought it back, found it myself, I don't know what this is. But setting the scene, this was a, almost exactly a year ago. It was like last April, May. My friend Jim Perry from the Euphemet podcast came to town, and he we recorded an episode. He recorded an episode about me. That episode is out. You can find it uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And as part of our time together, we decided Jim was staying at the Hotel Chelsea. And if you don't know what the Hotel Chelsea is, it's this infamous hotel in New York City, in Manhattan, that has been around for a really long time. And in like the 60s, 70s, and 80s, it was a very popular place for artists like Andy Warhol used to hang out there Basquiat used to hang out there like the beat poets used to hang out there famously a bunch of punks lived there it was kind of like a heroin den for a while Sid and Nancy lived there Sid stabbed Nancy to death there she died there Sid Vicious is who I'm referring to the Ramones lived there for a time like it's like a very very popular place I think Lou Reed probably lived there for a little bit very infamous hotel like kind of bohemian artist crowd 
history of that crowd at this hotel. It's also said to be haunted. There are people who have killed themselves there, as I said. Um, people have been murdered there. People have OD'd there. People have jumped off the roof. Before it was like the hotel as it is now or was back in like the 50s, it was like another sort of housing situation where people were murdered. It's it's got a, it's got a very very deep rooted history of of just kind of sadness and paranormal activity sort of goes hand in hand with that a lot of the time. So Jim was staying there and we decided to do like a little investigation in his room on one of the nights that he was there. And so we had kind of been there throughout the afternoon hanging out and once it started to get dark, we sort of started to set the scene. I was using a Zoom H1N recorder, which is what I used to capture the clip I'm going to play for you. I also had a camera set up, and then I had this, I have this pretty incredible sort of Ouija board type thing that our friend Blake Johnson made for me. It's this custom-made wooden board that you kind of use in the same way they use a Ouija board, and we were using that to try to communicate. It's a brilliant thing. If you haven't put that on, like, any show notes, I should. or you should do, like, like, a little feature on the patreon or it's more people need to see that it is it is really it is a beautiful genius thing it's so it's perfect it is really perfect and it's one one of one one of a kind thing it's very cool and this was only the second time i used it i'd I'd only used it one other time before the chelsea hotel but decided to take it to chelsea so we're doing this investigation and we were doing a spirit box session which is a whole another thing that we're not going to get into but we're trying to trying to communicate with someone or something at the time we're doing the spirit box session. We were having some interesting results, but um, I'll save that for another time because that's that's not really, even though that is strange sound, it's not what I was prepared to talk about. So in the clip that I'm going to play for you, it was kind of early on into our quote unquote investigation. This, you know, we spent a couple hours doing this and, and this was within, I would say the first 10 minutes in you're going to hear me talking and I'm sort of just talking to whatever's there trying to communicate. And I'm talking about how the hotel Chelsea was just, just recently went under a huge renovation. Um, they, it's like a very bougie, nice hotel now actually stayed there for my wife's birthday last fall. It was great, really nice time. Uh, but they did a huge, huge renovation to this really massive historic building with a very, very, you know, steeped in a lot of history. And so what I'm saying on this clip is something to the extent of, you know, there's been a lot of change here and a lot of the time that can kick up, you know, spirits that are lingering or have an effect on whatever sort of energy is lingering there. So I'm sort of saying like, you know, did this have an an effect on your world? Uh, What's happening here? And at the time we didn't hear anything. We didn't hear anything. You're going to hear something on the clip. Uh, that I can't really explain what it is. We did not hear it at the time. Your first thought is going to be, oh, this is a hotel in New York City. This is probably noise from the outside world, noise from the street, traffic, etc. It's not that. And at the end of the clip, if you listen closely, at the very, very end, the last noise you'll hear is like a car honking from the street. So you can hear what that sounds like and compare it to the other noise, and you'll be able to tell that it's not the same. So this this is... potential EVP that I personally captured at the Hotel Chelsea uh, about a year ago. This amount of change would have some implications and I'll say that knocking at the beginning effect. is just one of the people in the room knocking something that's not anything of note. This amount of change would have some implications and some effects 
on your world. Is there anybody who wants to talk about that with us? is a very, very old building. People have been living here for 140 years. All right, so that's the end of the clip. Working backward, I'm going to point out to you this. Years. That's a car honk, that noise. After I say 140 years, that is years. the sound of a car beeping its horn. Okay, so that's... Street what noise. ambient street noise right. in this so location. So c- compare that to the first thing is that. It gets louder. And then the second noise is here. This is a very, very old building. That. People have been living here for that's really years. odd. So I don't know what that was. I don't. It, it sounds it, like a keyboard in the room. It sounds like that's exactly what it sounds like. It sounds like the first the first noise to me that are it's sort of like more chirpy. It's like a whistling. It's, sound it's like up, upbeat and kind of lighthearted. Yeah, sound like whistling or maybe even like like the noise of like individual notes on a keyboard or piano electric piano or something mm. that so so that's buried a little bit so if it was just that i probably wouldn't have pulled this clip if it was just that I probably but it's this other thing that comes underneath my voice this is a very very old building people have been living here for that's a trip, dude. Literally what it sounds like is it sounds like like the ambient music that I make on my little synthesizer to put on the podcast. Definitely. Where I just like hit a chord with like a bunch of reverb and just let it drone for a little while. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, that's in You're you're getting a little help. <laughs> I guess. This is a very very old building. People have been living here. And there's for... like some other dings that go along with it there like a this is a very, very old building. People have been living here for 140 years. I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. It's it's not something that I remember hearing in, at the time, and I also think it would have interrupted the sentence that I was saying if something, if a noise just started. Something, you know what I mean? Like, if oh it was, yeah, it was on the same. Uh, level as your as your voice it right. sounds it, like it would have been like something that i would have taken pause over or whatever restarted my sentence or let if it was like a super loud noise like right outside the door i would have maybe stopped for a second let it pass and whatever so, right but it, it wasn't that i don't remember hearing it no well, one in the room remembered hearing it anything doesn't like sound that. like that either because it doesn't sound muffled right at all it sounds very you know it sounds crystal clear it sounds like this resonating you know like a 
like a key, like it's, a key being struck. Yeah, I can't. A piano key. I can't explain it. Uh, I have another version of it that my friend John McEdward from um, the Anomalous Waves podcast did a little like audio like uh, equalizer equalizing manipulation, and this is just of the first sounds of like what we were he and I were referring to as like the chirping sound. So it's not that more synthesized sound that comes under my voice it's the stuff at the beginning and this clip he took out the frequencies of my voice so you can only hear you're only going to hear the chirping sounds and it repeats I don't know. It's odd. It is very it odd. It doesn't sound... It doesn't sound like... Not that it doesn't sound like anything. It doesn't sound like anything that you would hear right. in your day-to-day. It, it sounds like a special instrument. It has a really flat... You know, It's yeah. like notes being struck, but they aren't resonating. They're not resonating at all. Yeah, it's very interesting. Which is sort... I mean, it does sort of sound like piano keys when you don't allow them to resonate, like when you just like quickly, I don't know. Right, or if the keys are dead. If they're dead or it's out of tune or it's just like whatever. Yeah, super, super strange. And at that time, there were four of us in the room. It was myself, Jim Perry from the Euphemet podcast, uh, his really good friend Tim, and then Jim's like PA intern, Haley. And at the time, we all four of us had both of our hands on the planchet of the spirit board that we were trying to use. So like, it wasn't like anybody was like clinging clinking glasses together or, or messing doing, around or messing around or whatever or... yeah no we all four like had our had like uh, i think we each had two fingers from each hand on the planchet around a circular table and yeah i don't know and we didn't hear it at the time so it very very interesting i don't know what it is but i don't think i mean it's unexplainable which is like the most interesting type of sound i guess yeah definitely and just if I was walking away from that situation, I would be so happy that it wasn't this hellacious, angry thing right. that was trying to communicate with me. Yes, totally. It almost is kind of like, a, oh, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm here. You know, yeah. it has that vibe to it. It's weird, too, that it is kind of these dead, not resonating notes that are very clear. They're not sc- scratchy. I mean, they're low. Right. But they're not, you know. It doesn't sound like somebody doing right. this or, you know, it, it sounds like it sounds sounds yeah. like that. And then all of a sudden there is a this, louder, clear one. This one is even weirder. I'm going to play that section again. This is a very, very old building. People have been living here for. It's so hundred. weird. It's so on the nose. So that's yeah. That's that's my my possible EVP or at least unexplained noise captured during an EVP session at the Chelsea Hotel last year. So that that's kind of bringing us to the end of, of the research that I have done, but now is the part that I've been looking forward to the most, and you have a story about some sonic strangeness. I do. I have a story that I'll tell. It's something that happened to me Many years ago, it's been over 20 years. It is, to this day, the 
only unexplained thing that's ever happened to my life. It is... I'll just get this right out of the way. I do not... I do not have a recording to play for you guys. I'm so sorry. I wish that I did. A recording did exist at some point. Oh, damn. And it was lost to, you know, archaic technology. And we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, this is... It's the only thing that has ever happened. As much as I... You can't really look for things. But as open to it as I've been my whole life. You know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s watching Unsolved Mysteries, watching When the X-Files, just completely open to it. Walking in the woods at night by myself. You know, all all the things you could do as a young, you know, as a kid. Um, and nothing. Nothing revealed itself to me. Nothing. Not even a little bit. Just nothing besides being scared of the dark sure there was no thing and this this thing that occurred so i'm 41 this occurred when i was 21 years old so this occurred or maybe i was 20 so i i I would guess this happened around 2000 2001 and i was thinking about this just in the in the past couple days you know kind of mentally preparing to sit down and have this conversation with you this was definitely at a time in my life where that stuff being kind of like a UFO ghost, not nerd. I was never super nerdy about it. Maybe when I was in elementary school. Enthusiast. And enthusiast. But, you know, I, I checked out books from the library and watched the shows. And then as you get a little bit older and you're in your late teens and your early 20s, it, I couldn't say when exactly, but it just wasn't that important anymore and it wasn't something that I thought about as much and I didn't watch the shows and I didn't it just wasn't it wasn't there were new things that were interesting to me maybe things that were a consequence of having been interested in that as a younger person but I didn't pay attention to it I wasn't watching ghost shows or any it just wasn't a thing anymore and I, I really can't attribute this event to my current interest and that I it, it I've maintained it because I did get this one thing and it kind of grandfathers in all of the other things not in that I'm interested in them but in that they you know I I think if this hadn't happened to me by this point in my life I would just think that people that saw things or, you know, had stories to tell were just full of shit or crazy or boring or whatever, you know, I don't a lot of the things that we talk about they are interesting to me a lot of things I I'll just tell you, we've talked about Bigfoot, we've gone into it several different I've written an article about it I don't I don't think that's a real thing, I don't think Bigfoot exists you're at all, so many fucking emails. I, now. Okay, <laughs> let's 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 have them and read them. And I'm if you you know I'm not saying I I want it, I want it to be true. Right. right. I just don't think it is, man. I'm from the Northwest. I have spent countless hours, countless nights in the woods. Never, not nothing even close. And that doesn't mean that's kind of the point that I'm making. That I, that doesn't mean that I. I, I get to be the person that uh, that devalues it 
It's just that it's... If 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 somebody said yes or no, I would say no. Um, That's fair. But that doesn't matter because I just haven't had those those experiences. I did have this experience. Um, I'll I'll just kind of tell the story. You okay. know, you've you've never heard this story. I've, I've never heard the story. And I we was sa- I was thinking it. about you it. Didn't, you didn't even give me like a appetizer we 100% saved it for this moment I just felt that it would be better if yeah, uh, and I, I, I don't think I've even talked to anybody about it since maybe a year so this is two decades this has been buried um, so I, I, I guess I'll just get right into it so I am from Spokane Washington I lived uh you know my first apartment was kind of a little uh south of downtown spokane and that was kind of the area that you moved to when you got your own place it was cool it was close to downtown uh you know being from the other side the north side of town it just it was not that there's especially you know in the early 2000s a, a lot going on but if there was anything going on you were within walking distance if you lived you know, on the the lower South Hill or this other neighborhood called Brown's Edition, which is where this story takes place. Uh, So Brown's Edition is just, you know, a little outside of downtown, walking distance of downtown. And it's, I guess you could say kind of like one of the first really developed, I wouldn't even call it a suburb. Maybe back then when the city was so much smaller, they would have called it a suburb. But it's, you know, it's uh, maybe, I I would say a half a mile uh, in circumference. It's a pretty small area. Um, And it was developed and inhabited. And then in the late 1800s, it kind of started to become more of an affluent area. So a lot of the, you know, for those those who don't know... uh, this this town, the city of Spokane, it was a. We had like a water power facility, Washington Water Power, and we had uh, it was like a train stop station for you know coming off of the coast going into the country because it's in eastern Washington, going deep deeper into the the west to that part of the country. So that's where a lot of like the industry and therefore a lot of the wealth in as it was growing into kind of being a, a big. town you know whatever that meant back then so a lot of the the wealthier people were building houses in this area one of the guys jj brown um he was a lawyer i think i didn't want this to be like a big history lesson but basically you know he was one of the developers that came in and there was probably some random people that lived over there probably wasn't as nice um kind of started to build mansions these mansions still exist they've been partitioned to where, like, a lot of my friends would live in, like, one level of the mansion, uh-huh. like the Glover Mansion or whatever. There were all these... So that's, it's a cool neighborhood. If you ever make it to Spokane, you know, there's a couple cool restaurants over there. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a fun place and a unique little piece of Spokane history. The first, like, real park, Coeur d'Alene Park, was in this area. Um, it's kind of on a cliff. It overlooks a valley, Peaceful Valley. Again, I don't want this to be like a history lesson or a geography lesson. But anyway, so this area started to become developed in the the late 1800s. Part of that development was 
And I, I did not know this at the time. It just wasn't on my radar. Uh, kind of the upheaval of uh, graveyards. So there was, you know, probably just kind of like the local white settlers. Sure. There's a Chinese population in Spokane at the time as well. They had a uh, they had a graveyard, a, Ch- a Chinese-American graveyard in Brown's Edition. And then, as you could guess, there was like a Native American burial site in Brown's Edition as well. So, and that, I mean, the into the eight, into the late 1800s, there was strife and friction with the local native population that lived less than a mile away. Just so I said this was on the edge of the cliff. You go down the cliff, uh, there's an area called Laytaw Creek. There were still, I mean, there, there was like teepees over there. You know, it was, it was not, it, it was a very interesting time for Spokane in that there were natives interfacing and kind of, you know, dressing like Westerners, but there were also, so there was this weird convergence of cultures. Sure. For whatever reason, there were these, you know, burial grounds. There were these cemeteries there. They were not respectfully relocated. They were just kind of like tossed up. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means that there were bodies kind of disheveled by uh, equipment and then just flat. I don't really know what it means. I just know that they were disturbed. Then you have all these nice mansions. You got a really beautiful park. So that's, that's Brown's edition in Spokane. Fast forward to, you know, the nineties and two thousands. A lot of these big places have become, you know, you take a mansion, you can have six apartments in there. So like I said, so many people, um, and a lot of nice houses that weren't mansions. The story takes place in, in the basement apartment of one of those houses that was probably, you know, a decent sized home. But by the time that, you know, me and my friends had gotten to it, it was like a, th- a three family kind of unit. And uh, my girlfriend at the time and her friend, her best friend, Alex, my girlfriend's name was Ashley. Their first apartment was in in the basement of one of these houses. So okay. not one of the mansions, but just yeah, yeah. one of the bigger houses, whatever. Right. Wasn't really, you know, it was cool because it was an apartment, but it was not like, there was nothing cool about it. It's actually kind of sketchy that it was even, you know, there was there was a front door, but there were no real windows. Um, it, it was just kind of a weird vibe always. And they had little weird things that happened that, Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, But we hung out there a lot. I lived in my own apartment, uh, probably a 15-minute walk. We didn't walk. We, we drove. But I was, you know, it was about a minute or two away in a car. Um, and as it happens a lot of the time when, so like me and most of my friends, when we got out of high school, we didn't go to college. We, we didn't want anything to do with that. We had jobs and we just kind of did our thing. Sure. Fucked around gathered at people's apartments and stuff like that. So it's like, if you weren't at my apartment, you, everybody was at like Oren's apartment okay. or at Alex and Ashley's apartment. So the night that this thing happened, I was not, I think I had probably gotten off work and just didn't want to socialize, didn't want to deal with it, wasn't up for it. So my girlfriend at the time was at her apartment, obviously, 
uh, my friend Orin was there and the other girl Alex that lived there was there as well and I don't know exactly the circumstance but basically a friend of Alex's boyfriend or some kind of peripheral person um, you know not like bad guys but just kind of shithead 21 20 year old pot dealer kind of you know dudes we were all kind of you know there was no bad people but we weren't like good you know we were kind of we were assholes yeah yeah um so somebody shows up at uh at some point in the night that they don't want there and at the door an argument ensues between the people inside and the the guy outside i think it was just one guy forgive me it's been literally over 20 years so there's some sort of arguments he wants in i don't think it's over anything serious but maybe there's maybe he, he wants to know where alex's boyfriend is maybe they're uh they sell weed, they're partners in selling weed and they, they can't find where this guy is. And he's like, where the hell? And they're, you know, coming over, asking these people that are probably half drunk and just always ready for a confrontation and just wanting, you know, life's boring, make it more exciting sure. type of thing. Um, so there's an argument, like a, a, a real argument. And at some point in this argument, my, girlfriend at the time her phone I maybe she had tried to call me I think this is what happened she had tried to call me this is a flip phone uh, and I missed the call and then it was there was a butt dial and then a very long voicemail was left because there was no I don't I don't even know if that's how it works anymore but back then if you called somebody on a cell phone and you it would record for you know for a long time so you would get butt dial voicemails that were like three minutes right and then your phone wouldn't be able to take in other voicemails and then you were like dude you gotta you know pay attention it was a a, a thing for a, a small moment in time but it was a thing so I get and I didn't I didn't get this till the next day um I think I was probably asleep or, or whatever. Uh, but I get a voicemail and it's probably 90 seconds or so, maybe longer of this chaos and this argument. And I can hear things clearly. I can hear Alex and Ashley kind of concerned, but also behind a locked door and kind of taunting the guy or just like, whatever, dude, get out of here. I can hear my friend Oren, who is notorious instigator into childhood, just any chance to, you know, he's that guy. So he's, for his own amusement, instigating and, you know, intentionally kind of elevating this. And I can hear, hear all of their voices clearly. They're right there. It's It's got to be, the phone's got to be open 
and maybe it's still in Ashley's hand or maybe she's put it somewhere. But it, it, if you closed it and put it in your pocket, it would shut off. So the phone is, you know, it's a very much so a part of like the scene. And then I can hear the guy on the other side of the door and I can hear the tone of his voice. I can't really hear what he's saying. Doesn't really matter. So, you know, Ashley comes home. That night probably wakes me up and is like, oh, you know, the stupid thing happened. And I'm like, weird. And then uh, not, you know, this isn't a time where you're glued to your phone. Um, so the next day at some point, I'm looking at my phone. Sorry, I, I see that you, I see that I've missed a, a couple calls from you. And you left me a voicemail. I, you know, I was whatever. So it's like, well, yeah, I, I called. Yeah, not a big deal. Um, again, back then, maybe not in the moment, but I, I would listen to every voicemail. If you got a text message, it was like a special. So, <laughs> yeah. and the thing is, if you didn't listen to it, you would have an icon on the on your the screen of your phone that right, was right. on unpleasant to see sure so you would listen to everything no matter what and you would open every message just to get rid of it was like a little icon of an envelope yep so not even at the moment i don't remember but at some point that day i listened to the voicemail and it was the scene that i described it was this chaos kind of funny kind of not argument where i'm like ah you know i I wish i would have been there not that i you know just like this is stupid. Maybe I could have diffused it or like, this is such a, you know, when you hear like drunk people arguing and you're sober, you're just like, dude, this is idiotic. Um, you're just like, Oh, all you needed was a voice of reason or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So I'm listening to it and I'm thinking that, and you know, probably 20 and it's entertaining too. So I'm, it's funny. So I'm listening to it 20 or 30 seconds in. I hear a, a voice, I guess. Uh, it is like a a a a howl or a shriek that is so on the same or even higher level than the people that my friends' voices that I'm hearing. I mean, it is right there. It is not in the background. It is not the the people that played in the nursery or whatever yeah, that, yeah. so you know how that had kind of a detached uh, distorted yes this was not like that this was present it was right there and it was not like whoa was that like something it was it was a an individual thing with, that could make noise with its mouth and throat it was fucking horrifying it was like I'm not gonna you know, just for the sake of doing it. Um, it was kind of like, but not stuttery, you know? I mean, I, I would feel ridiculous if I, if I did it, it was like, it was fucking crazy, dude. And it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like it was being like pushed, you know? It was like it was being like drawn out of it, so it it was a voice, but it it was so unnatural the way that it was. It was as if like I, I mean I we can't listen to it. I I I can sit here like a stoner all day. And no, like, no. It was, kind of, it was 
it was it was absolutely fucking terrifying and you're it, it gives me goosebumps to this day I am somebody that like I have been listening to black metal religiously <laughs> for 25 years yes at this point it was you know maybe five years or four, whatever so and I'm not like oh I listen to it like it every day I have heard all of it any attempt for a guy to sound evil sound like a demon distort his voice with or without effects I've I have heard it dude I have heard it all I have never heard anything that sounded like this maybe one thing I can think of that kind of comes close but it was it was fucking intense and it was like right there so I play it for my girlfriend and she's like what the fuck is that? There's nobody else there. It's the three people. All of their voices are accounted for. There are moments when I can hear all three of them talking right. over, you know, it's a chaotic scene. It was as if, in addition to that, there was somebody standing there going, <laughs> that would have immediately drawn the attention, no question, to, to it off of, it would have disrupted the scene. Of course, yeah. It would have. It would have. It, it would have shut have it down. Stopped mid sentence. Yeah. It was fucking crazy. How long did it last? It lasted. Let's say that the whole voicemail was ninety seconds. It probably came in 15, 20, 25 seconds in, and lasted until I guess the phone was shut. So, like, you're talking like it lasted like forty-five seconds to a minute. Uh, a minute of just. Holy no shit. No break, just this this force. Dude. Um, and dude, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. I went to work. I played it for my couple of good friends that I worked with. I played it for my friends that were there that night. So over the course of the next week or so, I'm like freaking out. What the fuck is this thing? I, you know, obviously you're... you're mind can run completely wild as to what it is um dude i've reached out to one of the people uh not my ex-girlfriend but the it's so funny to say ex. this is like a i was like i was a child yeah. i think i was you know um but uh another friend who i got her number from another friend um and i was like hey do you do you remember like that apartment remember there was weird stuff that kind of happened there. I don't remember the details of it. She didn't get back to me with anything too clear, but I do remember that there was like, she had made a painting that was a silhouette of like a, a little boy. And apparently there had like a kid, his body was found in the back room at, at some point in like the seventies or eighties maybe. And that was a thing that we attributed you know, a lot of things like the oven would shut off or like a light. And it was like, well, it's just a shitty apartment sure. in the basement of a, you know, a, a house in Brown's edition. So these things happen. It's not that crazy. Uh, or like, yeah, if you go into the back kind of storage space that isn't really a room, Ooh. it's going to be creepy tone. because it's, 
the back room of a basement apartment and it's cold and it's just there's a there's an immediate explanation for all of these things this it, it was from a different world man I wish so badly that I had uh, that I had this and I could play it uh, there's obviously it's it's lost to time so it was on a cell phone on a flip phone on the right. voicemail right and I remember that once you listen to a voicemail after like 30 days or 60 days or something it would just it would just delete and at the time my friend Dave who was you know I guess we were all kind of like messing around with music and stuff he like had he had the ability to record stuff he had some type of a computer that uh-huh. he could get and I think the whole thing and he asked me about it several times it was just like come over let's get it onto my computer right we can look at it and we can see where and I just never did it I didn't know how or we we never got as far as the the computer and the phone being in the same room I think it was like I could just feel it slipping away you know I knew that it was at some point it was just gonna be deleted right and damn I couldn't you know I mean it wasn't a US it was yeah no of course it was like of course yeah I, it didn't have a little micro card. It no, had no. nothing. Yeah. He, I think we were going to play it for a, we were going to re-record it from. You were going to mic it. Yeah. Something like that. I, I really don't remember. Um, And that was it. And we talked about it. And the conversation was always, what the fuck? What the fuck is it? I don't know. Holy shit. Damn. Every time we listened to it, it was the same thing. And, uh, and that's it, man. That's what happened. It's like, dude, that that is wild. I mean, that's yeah, that's it's that would stick with me for twenty I mean, years I'll, for I'll the rest never, of my life. For my whole life, I will remember sitting there. I smoked at the time, and I remember I on my uh, like I would take smoke breaks a lot at work. Um, and I would just fucking sit there and listen to it, and just like stare and be like, what? thinking about like are they like playing a trick on me also this group of friends very intelligent people nobody was playing it wasn't even yeah it's so ridiculous to think that they had one night decided to play this like insanely perfectly executed well yeah well this other conversation this confrontation pseudo confrontation is happening that doesn't seem like a yeah that doesn't seem like anything anyone's taking the time to do it it makes no sense um so yeah that's wow that's it that's that's the thing that happened to me and um damn man it's i mean maybe hearing it it's especially after all of the crazy fucking things that you and i have talked about over the course of the past like hour and a half or two hours or whatever it doesn't have that real world anchor. It's just a fucking story. But I know in my heart that it is something. And like I said, it gave it. It was like the thing in my life that solidified that all of this other stuff, you know, I don't, I don't believe in Bigfoot. I don't believe in the Chubacabra or, you know, I don't believe in, some of the ridiculous shit that I've written about, a lot of it I do believe in. Right. But a lot of the things that we've talked about that have been my ideas, a lot of the articles that I've, you know, a couple of them at least, I I, I have no, I don't believe in that. I like, I don't personally in my daily life believe in that. I, I do believe in it in principle and in solidarity in that 
somebody saw or experienced something that they cannot explain and it sounds stupid just as stupid as the story or as unbelievable as the story that I just told but that's the thing that that's the little sliver that they got my sliver is I got a crazy voice an evil some energy I don't know if it was reacting to what was happening right right the conflict or the yeah that's what I really think I mean that seems I think that it was riled up or it didn't like what was happening and it was its peace was being disrupted sure or just, you know, you can, who, could, who knows? It could be any number of things. Maybe it was feeling protective of your friends who lived in the house, who were having this confrontation, that, whatever. That's what I would like to think. Um, and they moved out shortly after, not because of that, but just because of, you know, life moving on. There wasn't a lot of time spent there that I can really remember, but they probably lived there for a couple months after that, because I do remember being in there. A couple times, and and I didn't like it. I I it felt it was like I can't unexperience that. Sure. And now this space is that to me, and it felt. You know, I'm I'm sure a lot of it was, uh, you know, my own psyche or this kind of placebo effect, but I I felt cold and ill in that place, and even now when I'm in Spokane and I drive by it and I think about it, it, it feels weird. That's a natural human you. thing. That sure. doesn't have anything to do with, you know, that's my own thing, but it has, it had that profound effect on me. Um, damn that solidifies that there is, there is something happening. There are things happening. 100%. And I don't know, why if we're supposed to learn something from them or if they're uh, a consequence or uh, a warning or if it's all absolutely completely meaningless and it's just these passing slivers of nothingness and they just happen to be interesting because we can't explain them who the fuck knows but but this is the thing that I got. I hope I get another thing. I want to see a UFO, man. I want to see it so bad. We've I've talked about this. You know, we've we've had this. We won't even have this of conversation course. yet. We've had it already. <laughs> I, I I'll go with you. Show me something new. I I'm ready. Um, I don't want to see the thing that made this fucking. For the record, that made whatever made this sound. I am not interested in seeing that. That was enough for me. Um, yeah, man, that's insane. I mean, that that is sounds incredibly, incredibly unnerving. I I can picture it to the best of my imagination, and and I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what a what a fucking wild way to capture it to on a voicemail. Like it was that's, so. That's what makes it so unique and so interesting. And that's why it the the clarity of it and that it, it didn't seem like anything. It just seemed like a sound effect from a horror movie. Yeah. Was yeah. Right. Inserted into, um, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's such a, you know, a tale of the times and just so interesting and in that you don't need, you know, a lot of the things that we've, uh, that we've touched on today 
it's like high-end audio equipment. Right. Or there's some intention um, behind it. This was just like, this was, it, it, it really feels uh, kind of like candid. Like it would have just been happening and if there wasn't something there to perceive it, no to one would have ever it, known. Yeah. No one would have ever known. But there just happened to be some recorder running at the the same moment of this, uh, this chaotic, you know, this reaction, this right. entity was was giving. Um, I have done a little bit of digging into like the spooky history of Brown's edition. I know that uh, specifically with the like Chinese burial rites, there's a whole like there's a whole uh, method of respect after the bear. There, okay. It has yeah. to be maintained. So I don't know if this is some spirits of, you know, this soul of a Chinese person who isn't able to go be with their ancestors yeah, because somebody rest. has some selfish developer has fucked it up for them. Right. Or if this is uh, some, spirit of a Native American person who is, you know, within arm's reach of just where everything has been taken from them and they've been fucked. Or if it's this story of this... I don't know if that's fucking true, dude. Every basement in Brown's Edition has a different... Oh. Yeah, yeah. The ghost of the kid that was killed. But that that was the thing, for whatever reason, that that we were told happened or that we thought happened is that a, a kid was killed there or his body was found there. So there's a little bit to play with. Um, I don't know, man. That's that's Dude, that's, that's what a great it, story. It, it, it happened. That is a great story. Obviously, it goes without saying that I I wish that the voicemail could be unearthed in some oh, it's, way. It's but dead. I, I I understand. Uh, yeah, dude, that's insane. That's really really wild. And what? Yeah, I just can't get over the fact that it was captured in that way, like in an because it's like not only was the whole thing unintentional to capture it but it was also you know a, a butt dial to begin with it wasn't even like like the whole thing was unintentional nothing about it had intention and it just happened which makes it like so pure right in a way right. it's like such an actual piece of horror <laughs> yeah man that's a great story dude yeah that's a very very good story um, I'm impressed yeah, it's been fun to kind of go back and think about how it felt to think about it back then and like what it means to me now and all that. And uh, I'm very happy that it happened. It was scary at the time. I didn't, you know, I felt a little uncomfortable being in the apartment. I think everybody did when it happened. But looking back on it, it is like it it kept my mind open. Yeah, And of uh, I am eternally grateful for that, you know. Not that I would be a profoundly different person without this experience, but I definitely feel like I would have let go of a certain interest and a certain certain open-mindedness, and maybe I would not be doing this. Maybe we wouldn't be friends if it wouldn't, you know, right. was, wasn't for this thing. So it's it's cool how things, uh, you know, kind of reverberate out and such a small, intense but small thing has some you know, 
like truly on lasting. My, my character. And, yeah. Uh, it's and the way that I I listen to other people when they have weird things happen. Like I said, it. I have to listen to people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have to take people seriously, and that's the whole thing. We were off. Uh, Mike, we were talking about. You know, I don't want to get it. We were talking about what we were talking about. Something that you and I are both interested in. You got me a book. I read the book. I was like, I kind of fucking wish I hadn't read the book. Because this person's, they're taking it in a direction that I, it doesn't matter. You have to, you have to to listen. hear them out, yeah. Because who knows? And just because some guy is trying to cash in, that doesn't discredit, like, uh, the farmer who saw a UFO or the housekeeper who saw a ghost. Of course. And they, they're people that didn't want that thing to happen to them. Not that this was a bad thing that happened to me. I certainly didn't ask for it to happen to me. So those people deserve to be heard. And just by default, if you're going to hear them and you're going to hear what they have to say, you have to also let the crazies in. That just comes with the territory. So That's why I, I let I, you come over. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Literally letting the crazies in. Yeah, I don't know. This guy says he heard some d- d- demonic voice on... Uh, yeah, so that's a great story, dude. Hell yeah! So that's it. Thank you for sharing that. I'm I'm happy to finally talk about it and finally have something that actually happened to me. It really feels like it it pales in comparison to all the other things because they have the weight and the gravity of you can actually hear the thing. But uh, the no, listeners but- will have to use their imaginations. But I'm telling you, it is the most fucked up, scary thing I have ever heard. And just the feeling that, I mean, it goosebumps and your hair standing on end doesn't, it it got inside of you, man. It was, I remember uh, maybe a year or two before that, you know, we used to spend a lot of time hanging out in cemeteries when we were teenagers. Of course. Um, because we could go there and smoke pot and fuck around and uh, nobody would bother us. And I remember walking through the cemetery with my friend Mike one time, and we were talking about, like, do you think demons are real? What what, what if we saw one? Or, like, and he had said that, I mean, I think in, like, a a biblical context, he had said that, like, if you encounter a demon or, like, a demonic spirit, you know it because you you feel sick, and it's just, you just feel disgusted. And it's not, like, a terror so much as it is, like, just a re- like a, a bodily rejection of right. it. And I didn't feel like I was going to throw up or anything listening to this, but it definitely was the sense of like my body and my soul tightening up and like not wanting it in me. Um, wow. So I, if it was a demon, it hasn't poked around since. Maybe now it's going to get pissed and then I'm yeah. fucking talking shit about it. I mean, the thun- it. it did start thunder and l- thundering and oh, lightning don't, as you were telling don't that. Say it, that. It did. It literally did. They'll hear it. They'll hear the thunder in there. I got a rebel home in this shit. What if I find <laughs> No. Don't even say it out loud. Um, so, well, yeah, that, that's dude, it. That's man. great. That, that's thank, you, thank you for sharing. And thanks for doing this episode. This was really fun. I, I listen, I will listen to all the fucking weird noises that ever come my way but I will tell you right now on the record the last night in like the last couple nights I've been like listening to some of these noises that I had queued up today and I like fucking freaked myself out Allie's been working late nights I've been home alone as I said I was like walking from the train at like midnight last night with these in my airpods and I had to like just like be like ah fuck stop but it's like it really it, I don't know these sounds they, they get to you man yeah whether or not you're you're in it you're burst in it it's like 
they're scary for a reason. Absolutely. If yeah. that's normal or doesn't kind of put you on edge, you might want to talk to a therapist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, thanks so much, dude. Thanks for, uh, for such a great episode. And thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Keep your eyes peeled for Strange Days Volume 12. The pre-order is just about to be up, and we will be getting that into your hands very shortly. And uh, just thanks for supporting. As always, we, we sincerely appreciate you checking out the show, and we will see you soon. Stay safe. Stay strange. Thank you.